Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from the Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org. From the Milton Metz studio and IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, your host for today's program. This week, we're going to be talking about rising credit card debt among Americans and whether this could be how, – how dangerous this is and what people can do about it. And we have uh, four great guests lined up for today's show. In the studio, we have Phil Schumann, the Director of Financial Literacy for Indiana University's Money Smarts. Katie Broadfoot, Executive Director of Monroe County United Ministries, Your Path. Lisa Piercefield, sorry, Lisa, Finance Advisor in Monroe County United Way Finance Programs. And Jordan Depker is joining us by phone. She's a financial coach who works with Central Nine Career Center. She's also with First Financial Bank of Johnson County. You can join us on the program by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send your messages uh, to us on news at indianapublicmedia.org if you have any questions, or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So thank you all for being here. We're going to talk about you know all aspects of financial literacy and how you can keep out of debt, and if you're in debt, how you can maybe work toward getting out of debt. Uh, we I referenced a, a new report um, in the, before we started the program, and I want to play just a little bit from an NPR story about this new report. This is going to be um, Chris Arnold, who hosts the per- Personal Finance episodes of NPR's Life Kit podcast, and he's talking with an Ohio State economics professor, Lucia Dunn, about the issue. Right. So we have these new numbers, and if we look at 18 to 29-year-olds, nearly 10% of them now have credit card debt that, that's 90 days plus, I mean, more than 90 days past due. And that's a pretty big red warning light on the dashboard for some economists because that's moving back up into the delinquency realm that we saw. I mean, not quite there, but but during the Great Recession, I mean, you know, we're, we're inching back up in that direction. I talked to Lucia Dunn. She's an economics professor at Ohio State University. And she says a lot of young people are getting squeezed because they also have student loan debt. Those of us who study debt feel that the student debt and the credit card debt are interacting for young people. Uh, Strapped with these huge payments they have to make on the student loans, they put a lot of their purchases now on credit cards. So it's just digging the hole deeper. Uh, We're very concerned about it. So, Phil Schumann, Director of Financial Literacy for Indiana University's Money Smart. So that <laughs> seems to be in your wheelhouse there. So is that the same kind of thing you're finding? So it's actually kind of funny. Um, when you when you look at student debt and you look at the people that are sort of uh, delinquent on their student loan payments, it's not necessarily what the narrative has been. Um, with most people that actually default or go delinquent on their loans, it's those that actually have smaller balances. And usually it's because there are people that come in, they take out loans, but then they don't graduate. And so all of a sudden they come in take out debt, but they don't have the credential to back it up to, you know, get a job and, you know, sort of uplift their economic uh, prosperity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of an interesting piece to all of this is while, you know, there, like student debt is certainly a huge issue. Um, if you look at a lot of the stats, and if you look deep, you know, dig deeper into it, especially if you look at like IU here in Bloomington, you actually looked at the majority of students that graduate have, I mean, I would say less debt than you would think. It's somewhere in that twenty-three dollars to $27,000 range of those that do graduate. And the majority of them are able to pay it off in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it goes back to those students that are coming in, not getting that degree. They're the ones that are going to sort of start that cycle of not being able to pay off their debts. And that's sort of where we're getting to here. So the Ohio State professor talked about uh, the double whammy of credit card debt, too, for some students. Have you found – I mean, when you, in the Money Smarts program, do you talk about 
getting a credit, your first credit card where, when you're that age and the dangers of that. So we, we talk about that quite often uh, because we do tend to get a lot of questions from students about credit. Um, I, th- I think sort of how marketing has played out over the last few years, I think people are more hyper-focused on credit than they've ever been with the idea that you know your credit score is very important, so you've got to figure out right now how you exactly you can build it up. And for us, the messaging is, yeah, if you want to get a credit card right now, that's fine. There are some responsible ways of doing it. But what we don't want to see students doing is just hyper-focusing on this. This may not be the right way of saying it, but I mean more or less like this gamified approach to building finances. So all of a sudden, we've got these students that are focused on this number between 300 and 850 that doesn't necessarily measure your financial health. It It measures your borrowing health or how good you are at borrowing money. Um, And so the other thing I'll say, too, is in what we tell students, it's not a surprise that debt is an all-time high and that credit scores are an all-time high because what that's providing is people like all of a sudden have this confidence that, you know, my credit score is really good and all of a sudden financial institutions are saying, well, because of that, we want to give you more money to borrow. And so it's sort of this cyclical thing that we've got going on right now and we really, you know, all of us here are focused on financial literacy it's we have to let people know that we don't want them to necessarily focus on what other people are telling them they can afford. We need them to focus on what they're doing in their daily lives to be able to determine what kinds of credit things they need or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. So, Jordan, you, you work with some students, but you, you work with a lot of different uh, people, but you work with some students too. I mean, what have you found? Let's talk about students first. What have you found with uh, the high school kids that you work with? So the high school kids that I work with, some of them are very knowledgeable. And honestly, they're already on maybe credit cards that their parents have gotten established for them. Their parents have done a really great job of educating them kind of how you use credit. But I would say a majority of them just have no idea. Um, It's not something that they heard about in their high school And if your parents aren't talking to you about it at home, you're going to get these credit card offers and you're going to think, well, this is, you know, an easy way to buy that new purchase that I want or that expensive thing that I've been eyeing. You know, they have no, they they struggle with their self-control. So when they're getting these offers, once they turn 18, 19, 20, they just go for it. They see it as easy money. And without that proper education, I'm afraid that it does lead them into a, a kind of bad, rough situation that they're going to have to dig their way out of. So when you go into the schools and, and talk to young people, I mean, how do, you, how do you illustrate this to them? And how do you tell them maybe it's better to, you know, to, to wait or at least to know that you can pay this off in a quick mm-hmm. way? What I want them to know at that age, I think that a good way for them to start digging into credit, if they are worried about their credit score, if they say, okay, I want to start building a credit score now so that, you know, five, six, seven years from now when I want to buy a house, my credit score is a really good score. I like to just advise them on the best way to use it. If you're going to have a credit card to not max it out, to not maintain a balance on it. Um, I think that a lot of young people have a confusion around interest, and they think that no matter what, they're charged interest on a credit card. That's just not the case. If they're paying off that credit card every month, they're not charged any interest. Um, And really, they shouldn't be purchasing anything on that credit card that they wouldn't already have the money to Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I tell them. Credit cards are not for purchases that you can't afford to make right now. They are truly to just build your credit. So make a purchase that you would already be paying for that month. Maybe put all of your gas and groceries on that credit card for the month and then pay it off. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or your cell phone bill, a bill that you're paying every month, put it on the credit card and pay it off. Because the idea is truly just to show your financial responsibility, not to make purchases that you don't want to have the self-control to save for. 
Okay, if you have a question about financial literacy and you're out there, today's your day. You can ask uh, four experts that we have with us on the program. You can give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So we have in the studio Katie Broadfoot from Monroe County United Ministries and Lisa Piercefield from Monroe County United Way and the finance programs there. I want to ask each of you to sort of describe your programs. Who, who, what population do you work with and just what do you do? Katie? So I work with uh, Monroe County United Ministries, which seeks to eliminate generational poverty for the clients that we serve. So by and large, the participants in the Your Path program are living in circumstances of poverty, oftentimes generational. And we focus a lot on mobility mentoring for our demographic of people. There is an underlying belief, I think, that low-income people um, are poor money managers, uh, but we find that they are oftentimes the savviest of all. I don't know very many people who can stretch $4 a day and make it work, but a lot of our clients sure can. Um, so we really focus on financial empowerment in the Your Path program where people opt in and work with a coach for one to three years. They work with the same exact coach and they'll pick a goal in a category such as family stability, well-being, financial management, education, or career. All of those things linked directly to the financial self-sufficiency of the household. So we can work with them. It's choice-based. And because it's choice-based, they're more likely to change their financial behaviors. And so we work a lot with other agencies in town, such as Work One, United Way, getting things like free taxes, support with uh, better education so that they can get higher-paying jobs, better employment. Um, sometimes something as simple as a lack to transportation can be a huge barrier or a lack of child care can be a huge barrier to somebody's financial stability. So we really work holistically to focus on the whole person, trying to help the people currently in poverty get financially self-sufficient, but also to break that cycle for their children so that, you know, that family can go on and we can put our resources into helping the next generation. Okay. Lisa, how about you with United Way? So I want to say um, I'm actually with Apprizen. Uh, We're a nonprofit housing credit counseling agency, and we focus on helping people improve their overall financial health and well-being. I am a member of the Financial Stability Alliance under United Way. Um, so the, we have a multitude of programs as well. Um, I'll speak to primarily, like, since we're talking about credit card debt, um, I'll talk about debt management programs. So individuals who who find themselves in positions where either they're making their bills on time, but they're not making any progress towards their debt, or those individuals who may be delinquent and experiencing, you know, over, over limit fees and, and late fees or... And, and just not being able to pay their debt off, a debt management program might be something for them. Um, and so anyway, with that, that repayment program, um, they have to stop using credit cards. And uh, we focus on helping them create a sustainable budget that will meet their basic needs um, and co-create action plans with steps for them to reach their financial goals. So that repayment plan is, you know, a three- to five-year repayment program they can pay off sooner than that um, if need be but that helps them reach that goal of becoming free of credit card debt or unsecured debt so Mm -hmm. we don't work with just credit card debts on that debt management program okay we had a a caller and they had a question about millennials and um, and the fact that millennials have sometimes debt but also maybe they start with low wages too and how they can sort of overcome that issue we might may have a caller back here, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah, we're going to put her on, on the air now. All right. Cheryl, are you there? Hi. Yes, Bob. This is Cheryl. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Please ask your question. Yes. Mm-hmm. So my question is, um, as a millennial and a recent college graduate, I found it very difficult to be able to supplement my income to be able to pay off the federal loans that have 
started knocking at my door, as well as the credit card debt, uh, just with, like, the wages that I'm in. I'm just starting off in my career and um, being able to just pay my bills on itself on time, but on top of the new uh, debt of the federal student loans coming, as well as paying off credit card debt, just finding ways to manage that um, in my budget has uh, been very difficult. Okay. Comments? Help? Advice? Well, at Macam, uh, with the Your Path program in particular, we see underemployment all the time as a huge issue that can really kind of offset um, an individual or a family's entire uh, financial stability. And so what we encourage people to do in that program and what I would encourage listeners to do is try to set short-term SMART goals, which are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely, that build from where you are. So in debt, maybe not making any payments at all, or it sounds like, you know, you're making payments, but that's, you know, pretty much it, to having no debt other than your mortgage, your education, your car loans, and then being current in payments. So trying to find a financial advisor and set up those little steps in between so that you are not overwhelmed by just looking at where you are versus where you want to be. And we find that a lot of people get um, really discouraged by the big jump that it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I think the other thing to, nope. and, and I'm going to make a lot of assumptions here, so I apologize if I'm off base. Um, but I mean, like when you've got student debt, let's assume that all the debt that you do have is public loans or is federal loans. So if that's the case, at the very least, what you could do is contact your servicer and just see if there are any additional options you have in terms of income-based repayment, income-driven repayment. There are so many different like types of income-based repayments that I can't name them all here. Um, but I think, obviously, if you can work with them to like lessen your payment per month, that obviously frees up a little bit more money to help you tackle the credit card debt, which... I'm guessing everybody in the world would probably tell you that's the one you want to go after first just because the interest rates are going to be higher, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I feel like that's one thing to do is basically just help get yourself stabilized a little bit more by finding out what your options are as it relates to the monthly payments you have in the student debt and kind of work your way from there. Um, unfortunately, though, what's happened a lot right now is that in a lot of cases people are able to do that. It's still not enough, um, which is incredibly unfortunate, which is the reason why, like, if you hear the, hear the term, like, gig economy, you've got people that, you know, I, I meet with students or recent grads that are, like, you know, Uber drivers or Lyft drivers on the side because they're just trying to make a little bit more income to help make ends meet. Um, and unfortunately, like, that problem doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So for now, I guess going back to my original point, if you've got those public loans, then figure out a way to, to lessen the dollar amount you owe there and then, again, focus on the credit cards and hopefully that'll kind of get that momentum going for you so that you can uh, hopefully get rid of that debt soon. All right. All right. Thank you, Sherelle. We appreciate your call. So if you have a phone call or if you have a question, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 or one 285 You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So if someone, you know, can't pay off their, their bills on time, what, you know, the idea of um, missing some payments can really affect your credit score too, right? Correct. Uh-huh. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, well, first of all, let me back up and say mm-hmm. that, you know, we deal with, with clients on a on a daily basis who may have difficulty meeting all of their expenses, right? And so you mentioned that, hey, even if someone takes out or has loans and they're on, you know, repayment, income-driven repayment plans for student loans and doing gig economy and all that, and it still doesn't meet, like, what do you do? So you, you know, definitely have to prioritize um, your expenses. And first and foremost, you look at housing. And I know this sounds kind of crazy to think that you would tell individuals, well, we understand you have credit card debt. We understand it's delinquent and you're getting late fees. So you have that negative amortization. You're driving that credit score into the ground. But at the end of the day, you have to take care of the priority, of, you know, of the, the, the living expenses priority, which typically are housing, transportation, food, and prescriptions. So making sure that you're meeting those first. Um, as far as the credit score, once you have balanced that budget to meet those basic needs. There are other 
there are programs, like I mentioned, you know, some, like the debt management program with a prize in, that's one way to do it. We certainly um, discourage people from, from doing any type of, you know, like debt settlement. Um, and I'm not really wanting, I'm, I am promoting this, but. Um, you know, a debt management program, one of the, the things about it is that it allows you, if you go on it, that you make um, a certain amount of payments and then your uh, accounts are brought current. So that can help you bring the accounts current over a period of time. Otherwise, if you are talking about just a, a straight up credit card, your four months delinquent, typically at 120 days when you're delinquent, that is going towards a charge off. Okay. And then that charge off goes to a collections and that's accelerated from there. So making payments on time is huge um, as far as, you know, as credit scores are concerned. But I'll go with Phil when he said, you know, okay, depending on getting credit and credit scores and all that, the main things to keep in mind is that good credit is still about three things. And that's about paying your bills on time, keeping your balances low, and not applying for too much credit. If you take care of that, those pieces of the puzzle, they're going to take care of your credit yeah. score, right? Mm-hmm. So I know there's a lot of hype around credit scores because obviously if you have a lower credit score uh, and you need to apply for a loan or, God forbid, but you have an emergency and you don't know where you're going to go, you may end up in predatory lending and payday loans and those types of things. And, and you know, we know credit scores, the better they are, the better terms you're getting. But I think there is that point where you have to, to worry about your basic needs first and getting financially stable with that. So there is life after bad credit. Jordan, we haven't forgot about you. I, I want you to you know, have a chance to weigh on, yeah. on any of these topics that you want. I was going to, to chime in. I think um, something that I see quite a bit here at the bank, maybe someone will come in and they will apply for a loan and their credit score isn't where it needs to be. And so, of course, we, that always leads to a discussion because I want to help them. Okay, maybe we can't do the loan right now, but what can we do to help you in the future or to get to a place where we can do that loan? And what I hear from a lot of people is that it is just, it's too overwhelming. Their debt got on top of them and they almost, they have too much anxiety to even address the issue. I think that they thought, well, if I just turn away or pretend like it's not there, I don't have to deal with it. I'll worry about it later in life. Um, But the idea is to face this head on, no matter um, how scary it can seem. And so the the best advice I give, I feel like, is also the most basic. Take the time to sit down and come up with a plan. Come up with a budget for yourself and write it down. Um, because a goal without a plan is only a dream, right? If you don't have a plan, it's just a really nice thought. You have to sit down and really write out, okay, this is what I can achieve this week. This is what I can achieve this month. This is what I want to achieve over the year. Um, It's scary. It seems overwhelming. But sit down, put it to paper, and you'll see that you really have a plan and that doing a little bit over a long period of time is better than doing nothing or saying, you know what, I'm going to address that debt when I'm older, when it's a little bit later in life. Um, because the the fear with that or the problem with that is we don't need that credit score. We don't need to be we don't need to resolve our debt issues until we do, until there is that emergency. And I don't want students to get to a place where they've waited until they need that credit score to start working on the credit score. It's better to do it now, work on it now so when that emergency comes, this is already taken care of. This is no longer a problem. All right. There's a lot to talk about. I've got a Twitter Twitter question I'm going to ask after we take this short break. But uh, we're talking about financial literacy and the, uh, the mounting debt in this country on Noon Edition today. We'll be right back. From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day 
at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from WFIU and WTIU News. We're talking about uh, credit today and um, all sorts of things with financial literacy. So if you have any questions or comments for our four guests, you can reach us at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can send your questions in at news at indianapublicmedia.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And let me reintroduce our panel of experts today. We have Phil Schumann, Director of Financial Literacy for Indiana University's Money Smarts, Katie Broad- Broadfoot from Monroe County United Ministries and the Your Path program. Lisa Piercefield is a finance, finance advisor who works with Financial Stability Alliance from the United Way. And we also have Jordan Depker, who's joining us by phone. She's a financial coach, works with First Financial Bank in Johnson County, and also works with the Central Nine Career Center. So we were, ta- we were talking about credit scores before we went to break. And we have a Twitter question that says, all these commercials about programs to check your credit score, um, are they worth it? So, Phil, want to start? So there's nothing wrong with them on the surface level. So if you're going there, you're checking your credit score, that's fine. But I think then you have to ask your question, okay, what's the end game for these companies as it happens? So if you have a really good credit score, what's going to end up happening is, for the most part, that you know website that you're going to is going to be like, oh, you have a great credit score. Do you want to apply for some more credit? Or on the flip side of things, you don't have a very good credit score, but don't worry. Here are some places you can go to that you know we promote – they're going to help you get better credit. And so if you're just going there to check your credit score, that's fine. But if you're using it as a means to figure out, like, how am I going to get more, you know, basically more debt, that's what we want to avoid. Okay. Anybody else want to weigh in on this? Yeah. So um, I'm just going to say that uh, you can receive not your credit score, but credit credit report for free by annualcreditreport.com. That is the official, the only official free website in order to obtain your credit report. What was and, that address again? Yes, it's annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com. Annual uh-huh. I encourage okay. everybody to do it. You receive one free credit report from all three agencies once a year. So um, in your financial game plan, maybe you you know, you know pull one in January, one mid-year, one near the end of the year if you want to get a, you know, a full view of all three, they do not contain your credit score. You can purchase your credit score, um, I think, for 8 or $10 a piece, okay? So that's one way to do it. Uh, kind of piggybacking off what Phil said, uh, he's exactly right. So, you know, you have the Credit Carmen and all of these free places out there. Like, I have a credit card. Um, my credit card offers, I mean, you know, I can just click on it. And it'll tell me what my credit score is. And, you know, okay, I look at that. But the thing to keep in mind is that it, it's a marketing tool, right? So Credit Karma is collecting your information. And, you know, it's made up by Experian TransUnion, um, the three credit bureaus. And so they are soliciting. They're sending your information out. And it's a marketing tool. So you are going to end up with either, hey, here's a way to fix your bad credit or, hey, hey, here's another way for you to have more credit. Jordan, I think you sound like you wanted to weigh in, too. Yes. Um, I just want to also throw this out there. People will um, sometimes check their credit on Credit Karma, and so they come into the bank with absolute confidence that they know (laughs) what their credit score is. However, sometimes those credit scores can be off as much as 50 points. So you want to be careful with some of those. Get your credit for free sites because it's not always accurate. And and the other thing I'll throw out, too, is, is sort of going back to Lisa's point with credit reports. Like when we talk to people about credit reports and credit scores, we are adamant that the credit report is so much more important. 
Um, and sort of the analogy that we always use for it, and again, we're an educational institution, so mm-hmm. of course we're going to do it like this, is that like your credit report is all the assignments that you've done in class. It's your financial history. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good financial history, if you've done all the things that you're supposed to do, then it's going to feed into this credit score and your credit score is going to be fine. But if you just focus on the credit score and you don't do all the assignments that get to that point, well, then it's not going to be very good. So what we want people to do is, again, check your credit report you know, those three times per year, make sure everything is good. And if it's not, then you know what you need to work on in order for it to finally feed your score and things will be good at the end. So we have another question about this. And Dan Williamson asked panelists to discuss how a bad credit score can affect all parts of your life, make everything more expensive. So I can start with that. Um, So a lot of the longer-term assets are really based on your credit. So, like, for a mortgage, um, to get a good rate on that, you have to have a decent credit score. But So you need credit um, to be able to do those things, like have stable housing um, that's affordable. But um, without that in place, you also need an emergency fund, you also need good money management, and you also need investments for your future. So... If you are hung up on credit or have bad credit, you're not able to do anything as far as your emergency fund um, or your goals that you have for your life um, or investments in your future so that you're not working until you're 99 and a half years old. So I would say um, getting getting really behind and having a lot of debt and, and not great credit can really throw off all aspects of your life, to be honest. And that's what we see a lot of at Mackham. Mm-hmm. In addition, um, you know, employers can pull your credit score. You give them, you know, credit report uh, to grant you employment, um, car insurance, if you're searching for not just a mortgage, but for housing. So there may be, you know, times that the, the landlord has an association and, and they, you know, they check your credit for that too. So it really does affect all aspects of your life. So what you just said, I, I guess I wasn't aware of that. So, so an employer, so you're applying for a job, they can pull your credit score to see how well you pay your bills? Right. They, they, obviously, you give them the permissible purpose to do so because um, no one can pull your, your credit report without your authorization to do so. Uh, but they do a form of it. So they're not going to get exactly your credit report and see you know, everything that you all want there. But they are getting a summary of it and can, you know, like, well, for, for our organization, um, we are we're certified to do the bankruptcy pre and post education um, counseling component uh, for individuals who who declare bankruptcy, and so obviously they want to ensure that like at, at our place of employment, right? We have to be credit worthy as well, um, and so that is a piece of it. So you know when we hire in, individuals into our organization, like we do that, and there are a and security clinic clearance for um, military. We we have individuals come in and need to go through a debt management program because they can't pass security clearance uh, for the military. Okay. So I, w- I want to start with uh, with Phil and uh, Jordan on this question, which came in over Twitter, because it's mostly about, it's about millennials again, and then the rest of you can weigh in because I think it's relevant to everybody. Uh, Teresa called in and said that millennials spend a lot of money impulsively on Amazon and online now. I would say probably it's not just millennials that do that. Yeah. But let's start let's start with Phil. Okay. So as a as a millennial, I'm like at the tail end of the older millennials here. Um I don't do that. So I don't know, we're making gener- uh, generalizations here. But no, certainly like with the 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 rise of like online retailing, that kind of stuff, it certainly makes spending money a lot easier. Um, but yeah, as, you're, as you said, like it's not just a millennial thing. This is all generations this is happening to because all of a sudden we have access to be able to buy anything at any given moment. And especially when you combine that with the fact that we're no longer really a cash society, we're now a debit card, credit card society, it makes it so much easier to buy these things. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the way you have to look at it is like obviously we don't want people to do those types of things. And so the question is how do you sort of arrange your budget so you can get to that point where if you do it, it's not necessarily a big deal. 
and you know i'm going to i'm going to speak from the level of let's assume a person has means and is able to do this but the way we look at it when it comes to budgeting and sort of what lisa was pointing out earlier like you take care of your house and you take care of your transportation your food the things you need to survive on a daily basis after that whatever money you have left over from there goes towards what we say paying off your past and funding your future so basically paying your past is getting rid of debt so you tackle whatever debts you have there and then you fund your future. So if you have kids, it's putting money into like a college savings account. You save for retirement. Um, if you have access to a health savings account, so an HSA, you put money in there. And then basically whatever money you have left over after you've done that, the way we look at it is we don't care how you spend that money. Because basically what you have done is you fully funded the things you need in that moment. You've taken care of getting rid of your past, funding your future. And if at that point you're like, I'm just going to go on this Amazon shopping spree, <laughs> that's fine. Because at that point you've done everything you need to do. The issue with this, and I guess you could say millennials, but any other generation, the priorities have kind of switched where we see the most issues that people are doing that, like, I'm going to spend my money however I want. They're doing that instead of paying off the past and funding the future. Gotcha. Everybody, everybody knows to take care of those fixed expenses, but then after that, the priorities seem to be a little bit misaligned. Okay, Jordan, how does this new technology and new way of shopping affect people you work with? One, I absolutely want to say, do not beat yourself up as a millennial and say um, that this is just a problem that affects us. I myself am, am, am a millennial, and I would say my mom has a much heavier Amazon habit than I do. <laughs> um, and so it's really, I, I agree, it is having a budget and following the idea of paying yourself first. So you get that paycheck, you get that income. Pay not only your bills, you need to be putting money in a savings account, however much that is that you have budgeted. Like I said, the, the first thing you need to do is have a budget for yourself because month after month, year after year, your finances are going to get on top of you if you do not have a plan in place. So have a budget and stick to that budget. I think at the end of the day, it's not even so much a money management problem as it is impulse control. And so that's what you have to work on. You have to tell yourself, okay, am I buying this because uh, I don't know how to budget or am I buying this because in the moment I really want it and so I'm going to get it. Work on that impulse control and, and you really, it takes time and effort to get good at making a budget and sticking to it. Um, so maybe one month you realize, okay, I've, I've screwed up. I spent money that I didn't have on things I didn't need. Instead of just saying, oh, nope, I can't do this, I give up, it's trying again that next month. Stick to your budget. Um, take that debit card off of Amazon Prime. Delete the, delete the app if you have because really what you have to master is your impulse control and what habits do you need to form that will help you in the future um, to, to kind of control this issue. All right. Katie, Lisa, anything to add? Want to move on? I would just yeah. echo what has been said. You know, everything's really interconnected here. So, mm -hmm. oh yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> Beha behavior modification—that's what we like to call it in our in our industry. And uh, yeah, it's it's exactly those things that you know she's talking about. So, I think um, one thing, just one final thing that I would add to that when she's talking about like impulse control and that is recognizing your money personality and like your spending behaviors and there are different obviously different types of behaviors um i certainly know what my trigger points are and uh i'm not afraid to you know i've been in the industry for 24 years so i've been doing this um thankfully i have made a Maybe not the best credit choices, but I found out before, like I realized before it ever had a negative effect. And, and I was I grew up in pretty much, honestly, in a, in a generational poverty um, household. And so I really didn't learn a lot other than to be really savvy with a little bit that we had. Um, and so I know my I know my my triggers and I'm definitely one who can get on Amazon or Groupons and I can be like, oh, OK, you know what? I think I want that. 
because it's a debit card, you know, or credit card um, that's on there, I can do that. So what I have committed to doing in 2020, um, not only just tracking my expenses, because everybody sometimes needs to come back around and regroup, right? Like I've been doing this for a long time, but I still come back and regroup. I have talks with myself about what to do. But I carry cash, and I will tell you, it works well for me. I've made a habit. Go to the bank, get the cash out, and I'll tell you what. I will carry around a $50 bill for like six weeks. I'm like, eh, not spending it. It's It just it works so well for me. So find what works for you, right? If you, some people can spend cash like no problem. Like, oh, my gosh, if I have cash, it's gone. It's not that way. So identifying your spending behavior, the good pieces and the bad, because even if going to, you know, like Phil's talking about, after you take care of all these things, whatever you have left over, feel free to go to Amazon and spend it, right? So if that works for you, absolutely. If I feel like I'm someone who I can't kick that that spending habit of Amazon, then what I should be doing is I should be planning it in my spending plan. So I should be looking at my spending plan, and after I've paid myself and my priority debts and whatever, somewhere in that budget spending plan, I should have a, a line item that says, Amazon, $25, and there you go. So, you know, it may not be what all of us here would say, hey, that's the best way to, you know, improve your overall financial health. But again, this is personalized. And so if that's exactly what you want to do, do it. Just plan for it. Well, and I think, too, what's important about that $25 piece, like, yeah, like maybe it's not the best financial decision, but at the same time, like if that $25 to Amazon buys you a little bit of like financial <laughs> wellness, if it takes a little bit of stress off just because you need that, then you should do that. Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of people do is they're trying to get get themselves out of this like financial difficulty situation or anything along those lines is they sometimes forget to reward themselves because they, I mean they've dug themselves into a deep hole or something's happened where it's got caused them to be in this hole. Make sure to take the time to reward yourself for doing good things. So if you pay off a debt or something like that, celebrate it because I think that's important. It helps keep that momentum going. And focus on what makes you happy in life and don't just, you know, avoid like avoid anything, any sort of pleasure in the process. Right. Katie. And I think this is where I'll, I'll jump back in and make a pitch for Macam and for our Your Path program is that it's, it is based a lot on incentivizing good behaviors based on what the personality, the spending personality of that individual household is. And so if you meet your goal – okay, that's that's great. Let's celebrate it. What's something that's going to be fun for you? Because I think especially for people in poverty, they don't have a lot of choices with very much in their lives. And so as you're trying to break that cycle of poverty, you know, how can we reward that in a way that's not, you know, I think society places a lot of pressure to, well, you better just invest every single bit of it that you have. But you know, if that $25 you have, it's left over, you've already paid yourself and you've already made good progress on your past spending history, do something fun with it that you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to do if you want. If you have any uh, questions for us about financial literacy, we still have about 10 minutes to go. 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. Or you can send questions to news, excuse me, news at indianapublicmedia.org. Um, somebody has sent in a question about uh, the about having enough disposable income to really create a financial plan and that there are people who are living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, what do you say about somebody who really just doesn't feel like they have enough to pay themselves first or, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that issue? So that's what we see at Macam and the Your Path program all the time. Our demographic truly doesn't think that they can budget because they are living paycheck to paycheck. And so that's where I would encourage you to find a resource in the community that can help you work on that very specific thing. I mean, at Macam and the Your Path program, you work with a coach and you work on your goals and, and we provide that support system for, say, you, you're underemployed and you need to get that raise, but if you're underemployed and you are living on SNAP benefits or any other kind of financial assistance program, if you work hard and you get that $2 raise, you can fall into what's called the cliff effects, where you actually Mm -hmm. fall off a lot of those benefit programs uh, before that first paycheck comes in. And so 
we still want to celebrate the fact that they earned that raise. They need to be climbing up to get out of underemployment. But we also need to have social service organizations in place that can help mitigate the effects in the interim until they really have time to get financially stable. So find find that resource in the community that can help with that. Lisa? Yeah, and just, you know, uh, talking about we, we've all, you've heard here, coaching, coaching, and finding an accountability partner, right? So Macam does that. Our president has coaching. I heard Jordan say, you know, coaching. I'm sure you have coaching. And, you know, that's having someone walk through that with you. But um, when you feel like, hey, I really, you know, the money isn't there for me to even do this or to plan, I will say that uh, my philosophy on that is is I, I disagree. Like, you may not... You may not have enough money to meet everything that you need to, but that doesn't negate the fact or the importance of creating a spending plan so that you can see financially where you are and where you need to be. And there are times that using community resources or finding out more about community resources or maybe using them in um, maybe a more effective way to help reduce some of those basic expenses, um, you know, getting on if you, you talked about SNAP benefits, but, you know, do you qualify for energy assistance and those types of things. But then I really go back to also looking at spending habits, too. So. Oh, we encourage individuals to track expenses for 90 days. Um, we start off with 30 so that they can, and if you can't do it 30, do it a week, then do it two weeks, then do it three, because we tend to overestimate our income and underestimate our expenses. And then when you really take a look at that, it's like, mm, okay, so are you really refining your spending habits? Um, a lot of people, you know, out of convenience might think, well, the 89 cent polar pop doesn't add up. That's not much. That's my little win. Um, you know, for the week, I'm celebrating that I've done this every, you know, every day. And so it, it's not much, but those little things do add up. And the other thing is like looking at what you spend at the grocery store and are you totally consuming everything that you've spent or do you find yourself tossing stuff out of your refrigerator because you didn't consume it? And as as small and maybe crazy as that might sound or seem, think about that. Like if you're throwing away, you know, a $2 head of lettuce or, you know, a dollar here and a dollar there, yeah, those add up. And so, you know, if you're doing that weekly, that's three, four, five dollars. And you do that times a month, that's 20. And then it and, and it goes from there. And looking at other ways that can you, you know, are there things that you can do with that? And it's tough. I, I'll be honest, you know, we deal with individuals daily that have to make tough choices between needs and wants. And there's that very fine line because I think it's it's easy, um, and I find myself saying, "Oh, I need that." It's like, well, you don't really need that, right? But but that's just you know the term I always go to, and and saying, "Hey, you have to pare down on on these things." But going back to the question that was there is really having a spending plan, even if you don't have enough money to cover everything, is still very important. So we have another uh, another comment that came in just from Valerie who says local salaries often don't cover people's living expenses. We're not going to get into a big conversation about salaries being too low, even though I think we all know that that's absolutely true, what Valerie says. It sounds to me like that what you all are saying is that there are resources, there are people that can help if your salary, your wages don't cover everything that you're living on. There are people in the community that can help. It could be Macam. It could be uh, a United Way. It could be. We we talk to people on a daily basis. Like anybody that wants to reach out to us at IU, we're more than happy to talk to them as well. And Jordan, I'm sure you do the same thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. And yeah. what I was going to say, this isn't necessarily um, okay. How do I? paid my bills every month because I would just echo what has been said. You absolutely have to track your expenses. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you're at. Um, but a lot of people will just say they they just won't even try. They'll say, you know what, I know I don't have an extra $5 to set aside every week to start a savings account. Like, I just know I don't have that. Um but you have to you have to try. Um, one of the things that we always recommend here at the bank is automatic transfers. So say you get paid every two weeks, 
having a savings account set up for yourself and automatically transferring fifteen, twenty dollars. Um, people will not do that because they think, oh, that's such a small amount. What difference is that going to make? Um, you know, after a week or two, it's not a big difference. But if you've been doing that for a year, you're going to see that you really have some money set aside for yourself. Um, and, and everybody needs that rainy day fund. So start small. Even if you can't take on some big, huge goal, you could take on a small goal. Okay, two quick things. We only have about three minutes to go. One with, with Phil. I wanted to ask, do, does your program um, work with IU faculty, IU staff, yeah. as well as students? So unfortunately, faculty and staff have to meet with me uh, <laughs> if they have any questions or anything like that. But yes, yeah, so I do. It uh, doesn't I'll, seem like it's uh, that bad. It's. I don't think it's that bad. It's actually my favorite thing to do um, right now because I think there are a lot of interesting financial situations. But um, any faculty or staff member at, at IU is welcome to reach out to me. Um, we can set up a one-on-one appointment. I do presentations anything along those lines to help out. And then the last thing I want to ask, and you know, all of you can weigh in. I mean, you, I think, um, Phil, I think you said funding your future. Uh, you guys have been talking about paying yourself first, uh, setting aside a little bit. And I guess I want to just talk about the impact that can have. And, and Jordan just started to get into it. But if you're putting aside a little bit each week, I mean, after one year, it can grow. And after two years and then after 10 years, I mean, can you just talk about that sort of um, effect of putting something aside each week. And we only have about two minutes to go. So, can I, I've got a, a quick example. It, okay. It's probably a little bit more money than most people can put away. But if a person puts in $5,000 per year between the ages of 25 and 35, and then for some reason decides I'm not going to save any more money between the ages of 35 and 70, they just say I'm not doing anything. So they put in $50,000 total using the market's rate of return of about 8% at that point. That $50,000 you put in at age 70 would be worth $1.25 million. On the flip side of things, if you ignored those first 10 years, so between 25 and 35, you did nothing. Between the ages of 35 and 70, you put in $5,000 a year. So there's $175,000 you put in. That $175,000, and I say this relatively speaking, would only be worth a million dollars. So you could either have $1.25 million for the price of 50000 or you could have uh, $1 million for the price of 175000 depending on how you, you know, when you start saving. Again, though, that's not to say that uh, we expect everybody to put $5,000 away, but it just shows any dollar you have today is more valuable than one you have tomorrow. Right. So just uh, to summarize for all of you, because I know you all would say the same thing, it's just whatever you can put aside, if you can put aside just a little bit and just forget about it, if you are in that position, eventually it's going to really pay off in the future. All right. So, hey, I want to thank all of you today. It's been a, a great uh, program. I think we learned a lot. I learned a lot. So thank you to Phil Schumann, Katie Broadfoot. Uh, Lisa Piercefield and Jordan Depker for uh, my, our engineer, Mike Pashkash, and our producer, Benta Boutier. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from the Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.